Are you wanting to get recognized by a recruiter? Well, what do they want? Do you want to do what you want? Do you want better money? Welcome to Dream Job Radio. Today's theme, what recruiters want. Hi, this is Daniel Laxtons. And this is Leah Laxtons. And this is the Dream Job Radio Show, presented by 30careers.com. If you'd like to leave us a question or a comment, please go to dreamjobradio.tv and maybe comment on some of the upcoming guests. Or you can always tweet us. You can tweet Daniel at Daniel Laxtons. That's D-A-N-I-E-L. L-A-K-S-T-I-N-S, or tweet me at Leah Laxton's, and we'll be sure to respond. Today's guest is Mike Barefoot. He's with Red Zone Resources. He uh, has an MBA and is a senior account executive for Red Zone Resources. With more than 13 years in the recruiting industry, Mike has achieved phenomenal success, including being recognized as the 2000 and 2001 Recruiter of the Year. And here today, he's with us on Dream Job Radio to share his inside tips and wisdom on what recruiters are looking for in you, the job seeker. For more information on Mike and recruiting, go to redzoneresources.com. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, it, it's uh, a real honor to be here. I uh, thank you for uh, letting me have a few minutes to talk about uh, staffing and, and the economy as a whole. Well, you have a lot of experience, and I'm sure that our listeners uh, will be able to benefit from from uh, some of the questions that you'll be able to answer for us. You know, especially in the economy that, that we're in today, there's a lot of competition. But in speaking about this tough economy, uh, what do you think recruiters are looking for in a potential candidate? Yes, yeah, a good question, and, and I think you know every can. You know, it's kind of like you know everybody's got a different opinion, but I think you know if you talk to grizzled veterans and people that have been in the industry for a while, and just to kind of parlay my experience, I've been in the industry for 14 years, and I added it up uh, the other day. How many years have been in a recession? And ten of those yeah. years have been in a recession. And I would say first and foremost, we look at technical skills, and then secondarily, uh, we look at soft skills. And, you know, a lot of times the technical skills are kind of like your calling card. That's what gets you in the door. But then the, se- the secondary skills are just as important. We really feel that, you know, how well you're prepared for the interview, how you appear, uh, your soft skills in terms of body language and, and communication skills, those are just as important. Now, is there a way a person can actually oh, readjust themselves uh, or practice so that their body skills, as you mentioned, will you know, come across in the right way? Well, you know, I I hate to stump for someone else, but there was a book I read about 15 years ago, and it's a great book. It still applies today. It was written probably 35-plus years ago. It's called uh, Body Language by Dr. Julius Fast. And it's a great book. It it talks about interpersonal communication, and, you know, when you have arms crossed, you're typically not open to what the person across from you says. And that's not the case every time. But it, it does uh, live, you know, lend some credibility to, for the most part, of that argument, and, and that's a great book to start with. But we tell candidates a lot of times we want to meet with them or we want to have extended conversations with them because a lot of times us as recruiters we pick up on the little nuances that uh, you know you may may not be aware of, but also we're looking through the eyes or the vantage point, almost like a kaleidoscope that a manager would look at you as a potential candidate for. Mm -hmm. Because managers don't give very long to candidates. It's been proven in studies that when they look at a resume, 
they say they don't look at buzz terms or, or you know terms that stick out, but managers only give on average 15 seconds to a resume. So you really have to catch their eye, and when you catch their eye, you've got to keep their attention. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, speaking about, I guess, more elaborating more on these soft skills, we we know that marketing is a big thing. You know, that we have a lot of books out now, Me 2.0, and it's all about really self-promotion and marketing. So what can make a potential candidate more marketable? That's a great question as well, Leah. I, I say um, each, you know, candidates, individual calling card is their resume. And I went back to that mm-hmm. earlier, but yeah. we always recommend a chronological resume. I see people, and this is a, this is a real. And if I could, you know, almost put this all in capital bold letters, and you know, with blinking lights, so many people that are paying to have their resume done are doing it with a highlights based resume, and we see that. And the problem with that is, you know, the first question out of a manager's mouth is going to be, I see the skill set, but I don't know when he used it. Did he use it five years ago? Did he use it now? We recommend to candidates using a chronological resume because that gives them a distinct impression in terms of a timeline. When they used that skill, how they used that skill, what was the technical environment, what kind of company they worked with, you know, how many people were on the team. Um, all those elements really paint a picture panoramically for a manager much more than a highlights-based resume. And then also, you know, you were asking about what can kind of highlight or, or you know, make them more marketable. We also talk about getting involved in social media, such as Facebook, networking groups that are, you know, centric to your skill set. And you also Great. want to get involved in networking and social groups in which you get yourself more visible to people that are in a hiring capacity or someone from a company that may meet you and recommend that you, you know, have met them at a function. They say, hey, I know my group's not hiring, but I know that you, you're looking for someone with a skill set. I met someone last night. So we almost encourage uh, candidates to get outside of their, their comfort zone and go to places where, you know, they may not naturally go if they were looking for jobs, say, eight or ten years ago. And then, you know, uh, the last thing I mentioned, and you know how they say in, in real estate that the, the three most important things are location, location, location. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I think the three most important skills are soft skills, soft skills, soft skills. Uh, companies and hiring managers are putting so much more emphasis now than I can ever remember in my 14-year career on how seriously you take the job and interview by dressing well, communication, updating, and being prepared with appropriate references, as well as other things that make you stand out. So there's a lot of different elements. People just think, you know, if you went back to, say, 2000 you know, or 2001, you could go into an interview, and if you had the hard skills they were looking for and you could give monosyllabic answers, you were great. You could get hired. But today, with it being such a tougher economy, and Daniel mentioned that earlier, and it being so much more stringent and competitive, you've really got to bring your A game to every interview. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. With so many, I guess, uh, qualified candidates out there, it makes sense that the soft skills are going to what's really uh, set it apart from, you know, everybody has degrees in business or, you know, certain things, but those soft skills are going to really set you apart. Absolutely. Well, let me just to give you an example, we're in the Raleigh-Durham area, and some people kind of call this area the, the mini Silicon Valley of the East. And, and it is true that we just got named the number one city in the country to live in. Raleigh is the number wow. one city in terms of the fastest-growing city in the country. Uh, our metropolitan area has 1.6 million people. Charlotte-Mecklenburg um, has 1.7 million. We're going to pass them probably in the next 18 months. I but didn't know that. An, yeah, but just to give you an example of how big an impact that is, the city of Raleigh alone, between 2000 and 2010, 
grew by 43%. And that's wow. not just because, you know, people are having a lot more kids. That's because we're having a lot of transplants that are coming in the area. And, again, when we're fully staffed, we have a research triangle area called Research Triangle Park, which is at the you know, home of Raleigh, Drone Chapel Hill. We call it the triangle area. And when it's fully staffed, there are 40,000 IT employees. Plus, at one point, we had the highest concentration of PhDs in the world. So when you couple that with the fact that we have Duke, Carolina, and State, three major universities all within a 30-mile radius, and Duke and Carolina are eight miles apart, and then we have the capital of North Carolina, this is as competitive a market as you'll see anywhere in the United States. So this is a real microcosm in terms of letting people know how competitive it is, not just here, but in other metropolitan areas as well. Wow. Well, is there any other ways that, you know, a candidate can maybe uh, make himself stand out or, or be different so that way he can get, you know, hired or get the attention of a recruiter and, uh, and then well, first I, get hired? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the ultimate goal. Um, but what I say, one of the things we encourage candidates at the end of every interview, if they're interested in the job, tell the manager they're interested in the job. Tell the interviewing t- interview team, I really like this opportunity. I think I can bring some real value. I really enjoyed my time here. Um, it used to be that the, the school of thought was, you know, play it close to the vest. You've seen the poker uh, games that they show on TV now where everybody's wearing shades and everybody's <laughs> yeah. playing very close to the vest. Well, that's the way people used to, to be coached. Don't be too eager. Don't be an eager beaver. Don't seem, you know, like you want the job too much. There's a fine line between being, you know, wanting a job and being desperate. Well, you don't ever want to be desperate, but you do want to let the employer know that you do have a real sincere interest in it. And, you know, that's one of the items that we always tell people to do. Another thing we tell people to do is get involved in social media, such as Facebook. And I went back to that earlier, but, again, we can't overemphasize that. Mm-hmm. What's, your favorite, what's your favorite uh, – or what would you suggest out of all the, the network marketing um, or social uh, – sites that they can go to which one do you highly recommend um i like twitter a lot and, and i'll wow. give you an example our company alone just to give you an example of how much of an impact they can have and um a, a statistic i'm real big on on demographics uh you, you'll learn as we talk that i'm really big a, a statistic just came out that said how much does networking and, and social media groups have on hiring and it only said four percent but they said that's changing and we just hired in the last three or four months um, a, a social media or marketing director for our company. We had eight followers about 90 days ago. Um, in the last uh, 90 days, we've gained over 150. Wow. So it gives you an example of how much that can have an impact. And then you have to dig down a little bit deeper and peel the onion layer back a few layers and say, well, who, who's getting involved? Who are the people that are participating? You'll see it's people that are looking for a job. You'll see it's hiring managers. And you'll also see it's a lot of HR professionals that want to see what we're doing and they want to see who's out there and they want to see who's participating in the site. So I think that's a good thing. I mean, sometimes you go, well, geez, I don't want my, my competition uh, joining our, our Twitter following because that gives me, you know, another you know, conduit for, for a candidate to go elsewhere. But, you know, sometimes competition is good. And also, you want to know who, who you're dealing with. But for the candidate standpoint, it gives them more options. And I think that what we found on our site is our social media director has created, um, you know, forums. She's created chat, you know, rooms. She's created different ways for people to interact with each other that, under normal circumstances, would never be talking to each other. And that's where everything mm-hmm. starts: with communication. So. Yeah, I like what you're saying there, too, with Twitter, that it's the quality, too, because a lot of people put emphasis on this is how many followers 
I have, but you guys have not only gained followers, but actually followers that want to interact with you based on your your business. So those are real quality people that you're interacting with. Very true, very true. And then the last point I was making, you've asked how, how they can differentiate, is, is I'm going to go back and sometimes I reiterate the same points, but they all interact and they all interweave with one another, and that is soft skills. Companies and hiring managers, again, are putting more emphasis on you taking the job seriously and how well you dress for the interview, communication, updating, being prepared with appropriate references, as well as other things that can kind of make you stand out. I've walked in, we'll send a full, our prep guide, and I won't take responsibility for this, but our recruiters, they send out prep guides that are at least a page and a half long. Wow. Give you directions, give you my name, give you what you know the company's uh, description and, and where they're located. They also give you the job description. They give you who you'll be meeting with. They give you my name. They'll even describe what I look like. They'll give you a contact number in terms of a, a cell number. Also, that when you go in there, and we tell them to arrive 15 minutes early, and that gives the candidate time to decompress, to ask any last-minute questions they may have, to get used to their surroundings and the environment of the company that they're going in to interview for and with. And, and that way, they're you know just a lot more prepared than if they just try to make it in a couple of minutes before the interview. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, you're listening to the Dream Job Radio Show. Our special guest is Mike Barefoot, and he's a well, he's a recruiter, and he he's the. Uh, do you are you a staffer with Red Zone Resources? I'm sorry, say that last are, part again. Are you a staffer then with Red Zone Resources? I'm a senior account executive. Uh, I've helped start this office for an investment group, and um, we've been open. Actually, the first of, of this month makes 19 months, and wow. uh, we've actually grown during this economy. So, I mean, we've been fortunate, knock on wood, to have some good traction and, and to make some some good connections and new connections, uh, as well as old connections that I've established over the years. But you know what? What I find is you've got to work uh, smart and hard in this economy. And I tell with, you know candidates the same thing: that it's a, that one, it's an art to getting a job, and secondarily, it's a science to getting a job. You really have to do your homework, and you've got to treat. If you're not working right now, uh, there the competition out there is is working on their resume and they're personalizing their resume. And they're doing all the things that you're not. And if you're not doing those things and getting out and taking it seriously, they're the ones that are going to be in jobs, and it's going to be tougher for you to find one. Mm-hmm. Well, I know talking to uh, people that are in your industry, it seems like right now the industry is just exploding, that there there's a lot of uh, opportunities out there. And I think it takes a lot of people by surprise because of the economy and everything like that. But maybe we could break down a little bit for the audience kind of what the relationship really is. You know, what is a recruiting looking for, a recruiter looking for in their relationship with a candidate and vice versa, what is a, what can a candidate gain from working with the recruiter? Um, that's an excellent question as well. What I always say is interpersonal skills stand out more than anything. Um, I'll give you a great example. We have a joke in the staffing industry that it isn't the most qualified person that gets the job, it's the person that interviews the best, and that's mm-hmm. very true. true. Uh, we, just had a, we just had a position that we filled for a systems analyst for a local municipality, and um, they were looking for, for someone that had some government experience or had worked in that type of sector. And we had a candidate that was on the bubble. And when I say on the bubble, the manager really didn't want to interview that candidate uh, just because they most of their career, all their career, had been spent in private industry. And they're like, why would this person probably take a, a you know pay decrease and come work in, in um, 
you know, the public sector, I work for a municipality. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, I have personally done a second interview with this candidate. And what I found out is if you look at her resume, she's having to change jobs every two to four years because of a financial downturn or they have layoffs or there's redundancy um, in terms of number of, of positions. And, and she was getting to a, an age in terms of her career where she was looking to make a home and not a resting place. And I told the manager that. And I said, if you would just do me a favor, because we've been dealing with each other for eight years, I said, if you just speak with her, I think it would be worth your time. I don't think you'd see it as, as you know, a, a misspent amount of time that you're, you're dealing with her. And he spoke with her, and where she was number three, the candidate that was number one, went and, and you know went down in pecking order to number three, and the candidate that we ranked as number two internally stayed at number two, and the only one they brought in for a second interview. Um, with the candidate that we, you know, talked the manager into speaking with. And so, again, it goes back to that old adage of it's not the most qualified person. And on paper, she was qualified, but what he had misgivings about was the fact that she had never worked in the public sector or for government. And I said, you know, you're you're missing some of the intangibles. And what she, you know, gave as as a reason or reasons why she wanted to take a job was she said, everything I do is located downtown. Her old job was within a few blocks where she'd gotten laid off from this government municipality. So to her, it was, a, it was you know, work-life balance. And she said, I get to spend the last seven to eight, ten years of my career working at a place that hopefully I know I'll be there. I don't have to worry every quarter how the company's performing. So, wow. you know, there, there's a lot of things that a manager's not going to see on a resume, and that's why we're consultative as recruiters. That's- Sometimes we talk – we taught the candidate taking you know, a look at another job that they may not look at, and conversely, we taught the manager into looking at a candidate they wouldn't originally look at. So that's really interesting, though, because you know, coming from that perspective, would you say then uh, that it's more desirable to, to hire someone interpersonal or more or technical than and just looking at it from that perspective? What skills are more desirable? Um, I would say interpersonal, and I'm going to tell you why. You know, going back to that old adage, it's not the most qualified. It's it's, it's the person that interviews the best. Kind of like that last example looking, you're saying, you know, when, that woman. Yeah, when a manager is looking at a resume, that's their calling card, as I originally, you know, kind of put out there. And so that's what gets you in the door. But what you do after that is what gets you the job. And so all the people that typically get in for an interview have the minimal qualifications to, to be able to get the job. But, you know, w- once they get in there, what makes a difference is how well do you interrelate with the team, your chemistry, your synergy. Um, have you done a lot of research on the company? Have you looked at their website? Have you seen what the company's been doing for the last 18 months before you got there? What are they looking to do forecast-wise in the next 12 to 18 months? You've studied that and thought, where, hey, this is what I've done in my career. This is where I can be a value-add to you, and this is where I can maybe solve some solutions for you. If you can be a problem solver, you make yourself indispensable. So that's where we tell candidates a lot of times, once we get you in the door, our job's accomplished. What you do after that, that's where you win the game. That's you know? brilliant. And we're just coaches. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, tell us about the recruiting industry. Where do you see it evolving in the next three to five years? Well, yeah. When I, I remember in, in the in the early days of recruiting, um, we you know we used to fax resumes over, and we used to have a laminated cover sheet that we would put over resumes. Uh huh. You know, it was it was such a chore. And now, 
we, we tell people, hey, you know, personalize each resume or the resumes you have to, to each individual job. Or if you've got a management-oriented resume, keep it for this. And if you've got a technically-oriented resume, keep it for this. I think I see things still going to a more technically, you know, faceted, uh, you know, kind of conduit. But what I also see is, you know, the interpersonal skills you can never substitute for. The one-on-one FaceTime, the meeting, um, you know, how you interact with a team, what you bring to the table, that will never be substituted. So I, I do see there's going to be changes, but I see there's going to still be certain elements and pillars that are always going to be in place. I see where things are going to become a little more streamlined in terms of, you know, you see the software systems that certain companies are, are using, and that's a good thing, and sometimes that's a bad thing because some candidates are missing out because, you know, they just don't get screened well enough or they get overlooked by, you know, someone that may not be technically qualified in that early stage of, of screening, you know, for candidates. Happens but all it, the time. You're right, exactly. But what I, I see ultimately being the game changer is still being the same elements that have always been in place, and that is, you know, how well you as a candidate prepare, how well you as a candidate present, um, how well you as an individual candidate come across and, and can match up with what their needs are as a company or as an employer, as, you know, fitting within, within the, the dynamics of a group. And that will never change. So, you know, elements will change within our industry, as you asked uh, earlier, Lee, about the three- to five-year you know, time span. But, but the real, you know, uh, locked-in, you know, portion of it will be candidates will, will make the difference. You know, how they stand out, how they present will make the difference. Well, that's a lot of good information. Now, how can people find out more about you and uh, what Mike Barefoot does? Well, first and foremost, they can go to our website, which is www.redzoneresources.com. I'll say redzoneresources.com, and they go to that website. And we've got a great uh, web de- web developer that did our website, and he, he um, created a, in, in the right-hand corner, you can join our, our Twitter page. You can check out our Facebook. Um, also, I, I'd encourage you to check me out personally on LinkedIn uh, under Michael Barefoot in the Raleigh area. Um, and, and there's plenty of information. Uh, you can also Google us. Uh, we've been featured on several articles recently uh, with MSN, um, CBS, uh, AOL, Career Builder, uh, Black Entrepreneur. So there's a lot of different uh, information that has been put out. And I've got to give credit to our, our marketing director, Tiffany Murray, who I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. She's gotten us a lot of that exposure over the last 90 days. But those are ways, just a lot of different ways, and, and we're trying to take advantage of it, just like we're encouraging candidates to. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Tiffany was a past guest on the show, and she was a lot of fun, had a lot of excellent information. So we were excited to hear that she had teamed up with, with you guys as well. Um, so that's that's awesome, exciting. And I do have to ask you one more thing, Mike. Now, your last oh, sure. name is uh, really unusual, Barefoot. What, what is the Is that Native American? Or... Uh, you know, I get asked, I wish, I wish, you know, I had a dollar for every time I got asked that because <laughs> – I'd be a rich person. I wouldn't have to be in the staffing industry, but I like the staffing industry. But we're, we're actually English Irish, wow. and usually they they say, and you know, you can look it up on the internet. But actually, in North Carolina, especially, we have about a five county radius. Uh, Wake County, which is where Raleigh is, Johnston, um, which is the adjoining county, Sampson, Hornet, and uh, Cumberland. There are thousands of barefoots, really? and it's, wow. yeah, and we're English Irish descent. Um, 
I'll give you a quick genealogy lesson. Um, there were two brothers that were in the uh, in, in the English army. It's kind of a Braveheart uh, type story. They went and conquered for for the king in England, uh, in Ireland, and Scotland. And uh, when they settled, one of the two brothers married a Scotch Irish woman. And about 400 or so years ago, the two brothers decided to go to a new land called America, and they ended up, uh, you know, landing in this area. And uh, we we have for the most part, not moved. And within about a three-state, there's a lot in Virginia and South Carolina as well. But in this in this five-county radius, there are literally thousands of misfits. And we get asked all the time, especially because we're such a big transplant area, people yeah. all the time, just like you guys did, you must see uh, American Indian. Yeah. I have met one barefoot out of the hundreds and hundreds of barefoots I've met um, that well, is, is Indian, and that's on his mom's side. The, wow. Well, and it's probably spelled uh, B-E-A-R. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, it, it could be. You're right. And, and that's the thing. Everybody thinks, well, I had a manager I met with. It's funny you mentioned that. I had a manager I met with a few weeks ago that said, uh, asked about my name. And I said, yeah, we're, we're English. She said, no, you're not. You're American Indian. But you know what? The customer is always right. I said, if you think so, we're American Indian, we're American Indian. You know? well, I wasn't of, going to correct her. It's definitely one that stands I, out. So that's all you're looking yeah. for. I do, I do have a theory, too. It's, it's probably um, the, uh, the barefoot. It may be your ancestors when they were warriors, kind of like the football kicker. They, they, right. It was one of the guys that was always barefoot, and they just called him barefoot. Yeah, you know. Well, you know what I always say is, well, what it probably is, you know, if you go back and derivate your name, typically if your name is Smith, it meant that your forefather was the town blacksmith and they shortened it to Smith. What I probably, what I've kind of, you know, deductively thought is either we couldn't afford shoes or we chose not to wear. So, (laughs) you know, you know, we either came from very humble beginnings or we 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 like the, the the feel of grass underneath our feet, but. Um, one of the two, but we are English. I, I hate to, to ruin a good story, but, you know, um, we're English Irish, and it, it's pretty simple. So, no, that sounds perfect. Well, you're listening to the Dream Job Radio Show. Our special guest has been Mike Barefoot. He's with Red Zone Resources. He's a senior account executive, and uh, he's had a lot of good information. So we so much appreciate you coming on the show. Not a problem. I thank you for having me, and it's been a real pleasure to speak with you guys. Thank you. Boy, we really appreciate those bits of wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. Some excellent advice on recruiters. I hope that everyone out there will consider you know, looking for a recruiter, too, when they're looking for certain jobs or certain companies that only hire through recruiters. So now you have a better idea of what a recruiter does and how they can work for you. And something to keep in mind, too, is... The recruiters that are recruiting usually are recruiting for jobs that pay a lot of money. That's right. Absolutely. Well, talking about a lot of money, what's up for next week? Next week, we have a very exciting show featuring Gail Seavey of Collaborative Coaching. She's going to talk about planned happenstance, the magic of preparedness and coincidence in your career path. Hmm. That sounds interesting. It really does. I can't wait. So till next week, this is Daniel Laxton's. This is Leah Laxton's. And this is the Dream Job Radio Show. Do you want to do what you want? Do you want better money? Welcome to Dream Job Radio.